Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Max is the shooter shot lead. You do expect higher performances and better things from Club Americas, but it's the inconsistency. With the well, thing isn't this inconsistent, though? I will maintain that the U.S. men's national team came out to the knockout round despite terrible coaching. Like, do they have a student discount, maybe, to go to a Florida <laughs> game? Like, they got it, right? No. <laughs> to take that next step, I think it's still undisputed that you have to go to Europe. He's going to well, be on the ground for the majority the, of the time. No, look back at highlights. No, that's, if that's you the have... Christian Pulisic treatment, though. Same. We're going to have to stop this. We're going to start arguing on this podcast, aren't we? Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be back at the Real Football Show with my co-host, Gino Ganello. How are you? Guess who's back, back, <laughs> back, back again. Back. Lizzie, it is great to have you back. Uh, it's been a while since you've been on the pod. Um, you come back at really a perfect time with uh, what has happened over the recent uh, weeks or week, you should say. Um, lots happening. Course, there's, there's, there's a lot that ha- that's happened. I'm sure Mexican fans would like to forget all of that has happened, and we probably no, we don't much detail about what happened. But um, I do have to give you, uh, I do have to, you know, take a little jab just because. Yeah, of course you, you know, do. It's uh, wouldn't be back if you didn't. I may say. Well, I am so so happy to be back. <laughs> um, we've been doing so much over at 90 Min US editorially and on social media, so make sure to check that out as we travel the world. I guess from. MLS to Champions League final, and we're headed back out this summer as League's Cup, MLS All-Star, the Women's World Cup rolls around. Just so much to cover, so I'm definitely happy to be back here in this space to talk about it all. And to kick off, we have the U.S. Women's National Team as head coach Vladko Andonovsky finally revealed the 23-player um, roster headed to the World Cup, and we are very excited Gina, what do you think? Um, I mean, it, it's definitely a, a, a good roster. I mean, obviously, uh, Rapino and Morgan included. Um, there is some youth on there as well, mm-hmm. some players who you have not heard about. Uh, if you don't consistently watch NWSL or consistently watch women's soccer, um, it's definitely, um, you know, I think I heard someone describe it as more of a transition roster i mean obviously the united United states women's national team doesn't really transition much right i mean they have so many so much young talent so much talent all over the place that you know it's not a transition in the sense that the expectation is that they won't be successful or they won't perform well it's more transition in the sense that we're starting to see more names that we haven't seen before on the typical roster and i think that's exciting um but also brings a little bit of the unknown into it as well, which is always a, uh, always a fun thing. And um, you get to learn a little bit more about these players. I know Vladko, when he uh, had his press conference, or when he talked today, he mentioned COVID and they didn't have the Olympics and you know, the opportunities to introduce maybe to some of these younger players. Um, and, and it's kind of expedited the process a little bit, um, but you're going to get to know a lot of these names and a lot of the, these young players who are making names for themselves in the NWSL, um, and now they're going to get their chance on the big stage. 
Yeah, I think this is the closest we've seen the U.S. women's national team go into a somewhat generational change. There's mm. obviously still a that like a great balance between the veterans and fresh new faces. I'm particularly excited about the inclusion of Alyssa Thompson. Um, I think everybody would have rioted if she wasn't included. I think it's also safe to mention that a lot of the names that were included have a lot to do with previous injuries. I know Becky Sauerbrunn, for example, announced a couple of days ago that she unfortunately yeah. wouldn't be able to make the World Cup due to an injury, which is heartbreaking, but also, I guess, gives ways to new faces. Mm -hmm. Sophia Smith, another great player that I'm particularly excited to see. Trinity Rodman. So transitional in the sense that there's a greater divide between the fresh new faces and the veterans, as opposed to the 2015 and 2019 squads. But the United States women's national team will continue to do and make history and try for the first time ever to win three consecutive World Cup titles. Obviously, they won back to back in 2015 and 2019. Mm -hmm. um, this time around in particular, I am not so sure the U.S. Women's National Team is going to win it all. There's some um, very, very competitive rosters, even in our um, in our group, Group E. The Netherlands will not be an easy opponent. England is up and rising. France, given their coaching change and the inclusion of players now that are willing to um, sport the jersey and head over to the World Cup. So it definitely won't be easy, but I guess Vlatko's counting on his 23-player roster. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, as we've seen and as we've said over the past... You know, we've said this before, I think, in the podcast as well, the women's game is growing across the entire world, and we're starting to see that um, in, in a lot of different countries. And that doesn't mean the U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team, excuse me, is getting worse. It just means that other countries are getting better, and they're putting yeah. more money into those women's uh, into the women's game. And obviously, you know, the Brazils, the Australias, the Japan's, the United States women's national team; those are those are, are typical teams that we're used to seeing compete at the highest level uh netherlands sweden but you know now we've started to see england and like you said france and 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 you know i know spain has a lot of uh, issues with their women's national team but there is a lot of talent in the spanish yeah. women's game we saw fc barcelona i believe just won the women's champions league so um you're starting to see the women's game be much more improved in, in a lot of different areas. And so it doesn't necessarily mean when you look at this roster or when you look at this world cup, if the United States doesn't win it, it's not necessarily because the United States is worse than they were in past years. It's because the competition is significantly better. I know. And it's going to be so exciting, I guess, to watch the world's biggest stage and see everyone compete. Just as a reminder to, again, stay tuned on 90 men. We're going to be on the ground in Auckland, Wellington, and eventually Sydney following the U.S. women's national team as they attempt again to make history. So lots to cover there, lots to be talked about. But now we head over to the men's side in Concord. Before we get to that, too, if you are in yes. Washington, D.C., they just announced that bars are allowed to be open 24-7 due to yes. the weird timing of all the games. So <laughs> yes. very cool um, that if you're in Washington, D.C., you'll be able to go to a bar like, 4 a.m. if there's a game on at that time and watch the women's Which there World will Cup. be. Which there will be. There definitely Which there will be. be. So that, that's very, very cool. Uh, I think July 21st is when the U.S. women's national yeah. team kicks off, right? So Yeah. Um, that time difference is going to be absolutely insane. It's 16 hours, I believe, from Auckland and 13 hours in Sydney. So 
different days, a Monday here, a Sunday there. Who can count at this point? It's just um, the summer of soccer. So it is. <laughs> it is the summer of soccer. There's so much going on. We're very excited. But very uh, yeah, excited. Take, take it away with with what we got coming up in the next three days. Never mind the next month. Yeah, never mind next month. So the Gold Cup kicks off in just a couple of days as the United States men's national team, Mexico, Canada, they all return to action for the CONCACAF, the second CONCACAF tournament of the summer after Nations League. Um, Obviously, the U.S. men's national team is rotating the roster and doing a change of guard, essentially, where the European-based players, the Europe-based players are headed back out with their respective teams in rotation ML, there's going to be an MLS heavy roster picked yes. by um, interim head coach BJ Callahan. So that means Ferreira, Cade Cowell, Brandon Vasquez, Jordan Morris, they're taking over and heading into unfamiliar grounds, I guess, because it's still a difficult CONCACAF tournament. Um, you can never rule out Jamaica, Haiti, Honduras. They, they just manage to crawl back in and compete. So what do you think about this roster? Yeah. And, and, and listen, there will be a couple um, guys at Brian Reynolds and, and uh, John Luca Busio who, who do play overseas, but you know, guys were probably not seeing on a typical U S men's national yeah. team, 23 man roster at this point, which is good. Um, I do think what I will say is I'm, I'm happy to see the inclusion of some of the younger guys uh, okay. talking, getting a chance Um Jalen Neal, who's uh, been an up-and-coming center back for uh, LA Galaxy. Uh, some of those guys, seeing them get a chance, Aiden Morris, I'm actually very excited to see if he steps in there and gets an opportunity. He's been playing really well for the Columbus crew, uh, so I think that could be very, very fun to see. Um, but at the same time, I, this is not the same team that we saw this past week. It definitely and is not. It is probably – I mean, a lot of these guys are not even – on like i said the b team or or this is a a bc roster and and like you mentioned lizzie there's a lot of talented teams in this group jamaica just added damari gray uh on his he just transferred his uh nationality from english to jamaican this past week so he will be participating in this he plays for everton um has played for leicester in the past um, he's a guy who i think can cause a lot of trouble in the in this concaf um, because he is of his ability to run at players. So, um, it, you know, it's not going to be easy. And if BJ Callahan can manage to somehow get this team, even to a, I, I think even to a semifinal, I think mm-hmm. you're looking, uh, I think that's a, that's a good success for them. I think that's a big success for them. Um, because I think that the United States men's national team going to this tournament definitely does not have the strongest roster. See, I disagree when it comes to the attack. I particularly feel bad for Brandon Vasquez. I think last year he proved himself in MLS, was really high up there in that golden boot race, scored, and is being scouted by a couple of European teams, as we reported earlier. Mm -hmm. But I think with the inclusion of Balaun, it's just absolutely impossible for him to secure his place in what we consider that U.S. men's national team A team and that Mm – priority roster which again is just unfortunate for him the plethora of options in that position really does not play to his advantage I don't think he's done anything wrong in particular and could be quite deadly when it comes to this tournament I hope to see him score and great in the final third 
Unfortunately, however, I think he's now plateaued in this B roster and used as a backup when it comes to friendlies. I don't want to say competitions of less importance, but perceived by the United States as yeah. less important than what would be a Nations and, League. So, and I think typically the Gold Cup is an important thing for the United States. I just think this year's with the Nation League and with everything that's happening, I think this is it, it kind of drops in importance. Um, in terms of Brandon Vasquez, I know I've said this with Edwin in the past weeks. I, I mean, I agree that he kind of is getting the short end of the stick here, but also at the same point, like he has every opportunity to go out. Like I, I, at the same point, he's not scoring goals at the MLS level right now, which is a problem. You know, I, right. I, form is is very important when it comes to this, and 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 he has every opportunity to make a name for himself here, get a move. Like this is a very big tournament for Brandon Vasquez. Yeah, it Brandon is. Vasquez can get, you know, all over the hump here, score some goals, get some European interest, and complete a transfer it might be a different story for him because there's no saying Balogun and Pepe are going to go out there and and be the first choice week if, well, if I didn't even include Pepe yeah I mean <laughs> I and, remember and, who's coming back yes and 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 Pepe I, I think has done a good job I mean he scored this past you know this past week in the Nations League and um you know I think he's earning himself back into the roster I don't think that the door is shut for Brandon Vasquez but it is a crowded number nine room it Which, is. again, there's been nobody for four years or whatever that's locked down this number nine spot. Somebody's got to do it. So whether it be Balagon, whether it be Pepe, whether Brandon Vasquez finds some form, gets a move, and, and ends up being included in that, or if he is included like Jesus Ferrer has been with just being in the MLS and scoring a lot of goals, like that's the difference for me. I mean, Jesus Ferreira, as much as we hate on him, he continues to score in the MLS. Brandon Vasquez had a great season last year, has not really scored in the MLS this year. And that's yeah. I think, an issue. I think we have to remember again, U.S. soccer rehired former head coach Greg Berhalter, which means a lot of instability when it comes to picking players and a lack of transparency when understanding the journey to that starting 11. We really won't know. Um, we don't even know how he'll react to Balaun because they've never been in a camp together. Um, yeah, I mean, we could so, go on and on and on. About yes, I'm, I'm sure we could process, but that is yeah. not what we're here for today. <laughs> that is not what we're here for today. No. I do not need to get into a rant about Greg Berhalter being reselected as head coach after a six month process and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. an independent, you know, independent firm coming in and helping them do this data that's apparently been helped set by Greg Berhalter. I don't know. There's a bunch yeah, of stories so, floating around, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff. In the end, Greg Berhalter's our coach, and he's our coach moving your forward. Coach. Yes, our coach, as in the United States, not your coach. He is not the Mexican national team coach, despite the fact that we've really tried to send him off to Club America and everything. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm so glad that didn't happen. But, but as yeah. you just said, we, we could go into a rant about um, Greg Berhalter, but we won't. Instead, um, I'm going to choose to command BJ Callahan for the excellent work that he did during. Excellent. Excellent work he did during opera, Nathan unbelievable Nathan. job by him and Anthony Hudson in the absence of Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would credit Anthony Hudson as much. I, I don't well, I credit him for these last two wins, but I think Anthony Hudson also right. showed, I think in, even in, in the games that he did get, he did show some more freedom in the attacking ability of the United States, which is not very true when it comes to Greg Berhalter, but 
Um, I don't know. My whole thing with Greg, listen, and Clint Dempsey, uh, this is all I'll say on Greg. Clint Dempsey mentioned this too. I think the goals should be higher. And if he does not reach, he's got to go far in Copa America next year. That's yeah. my, that's my thing. That's my goals. If he doesn't, if he doesn't do that, um, then he's out. I mean, I would fire him if he doesn't succeed oh. in the Copa America. And then we hire him. Yeah, but you know they'll keep them through the World Cup cycle. But I think Clint Dempsey was right in saying, you know, this the Copa America and going far in the Copa America should be a massive, massive goal of the United States. And if they do not succeed well, I think that should be a fireable offense. But I don't think it'll happen. So that's my goal. Well, that's going too far into the future where we have games just in a couple days. So yes, Um, even though Greg Berhalter has been rehired as the U.S. Men's National Team coach. Interim manager BJ Callahan will continue to lead the team through the Gold Cup and um, abandon his post following that. So at mid-July, the final is on July 26th, I believe. Or no, July 16th, I apologize. Um, Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he will depart right after that, after a great service and a great duty. But yes, uh, the last opportunity for BJ Callahan before he goes off and I'm sure does something else. Do you think Greg should coach this team? Going into the Gold Cup? You know I don't. (laughs) No, I mean, like, do you think, like, now that he's been hired, shouldn't um, this be his job? Yes, but I understand why it's not. Um, I understand understand from two ways, but I'm interested to hear yours, your perspective. I think it's a way of closing out a cycle. Um, It'd be unfair to place Greg Berhalter to lead a roster that he didn't pick himself. I think we know BJ Callahan, with I'm sure the help of other U.S. men's national team members, picked out this MLS-heavy roster for the Gold Cup. So it would be a little bit unfair to just place Greg Berhalter back in. And I guess it'd be an abrupt end to what I'm sure BJ Callahan is trying to seal up for his resume and Mm -hmm. close out player relationships. So... Yeah, it sucks. It probably should have been announced after the Gold Cup, but there were leaks as anything of that level yeah. is. And they announced, but I, I understand. I understand having BJ. Yeah, back. I mean, that's a really good point. Um, I guess the counterpoint that I've seen a lot of is, you know, he knows the players. I mean, right. but a lot of these young – I mean, these guys have been in the pool. He's been the U.S. men's national team coach now for, what, four years or whatever it's been. Um, so the counterpoint is, you know, why are we keeping him out? If I mean, he knows the players, right. he knows his, you know, it's the players know his system. Um, well, but they're not, I don't necessarily think they're keeping him out. Like, I'm sure he'll be present both at the stadiums and potentially well, even no, training. I'm just saying but... why, why, yeah, I guess the, 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 the questions that are being raised are why is he not taking over this roster? And, you know, I mean, I, in, in fairness, if it was because the U.S. Men's Net or the U.S. Soccer Federation said, you know, this roster isn't great. And we don't need any more pressure. Fuel to the fire yeah. for Greg. I would totally understand that. Like that's completely understandable. And I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm but, sure that it comes to a point know, there. I, I think it's a lose lose for Greg for him to participate yeah. in this tournament anyway. So I understand why they don't want him to. Um, but um, because like even if he went in and he won, they would be like, oh man, well he just you know he they you know the team was weak and the no you know nobody really cared about it it's whatever like no nobody really cared about the gold cup this year or, you know it would just be 
yeah. So I, I think it was a lose lose. Yeah, it's situation. difficult. Speaking on coaches, however, there is a new saga in the Mexican men's team where everything changed. Dio Coca's out after just five months and seven games. That was a whole disaster. Obviously, it comes from a Nations League campaign. It was quite disappointing, though they defeated Panama 1-0. It was the way in which everything happened. They placed third, and that Monday morning, chaos ensued, and interim manager Jimmy Lozano is now with the Mexican men's national team, and I personally have never been so hopeful for a good (laughs) process and journey. Dating back to, I do want to say, dating back to what was it, um, January episodes of this podcast, I was mentioning Jimmy Lozano as my first choice to replace Tata Martino. You so were. having him come back, even if it isn't in an interim basis, I am quite thrilled. Um, President, commissioner of the Mexican Football Federation, Juan Carlos Rodriguez, said on Monday that the reason he chose to fire Diego Coca was the embarrassing defeat against the United States, not so much in the score, but the way in which it happened. And again, the chaos then ensued afterwards with reports coming out that um, players were threatening to leave camp and they were unhappy. And obviously no one left camp. Everyone's going um, straight to the Gold Cup. But he was just extremely displeased with the entire coaching situation, watching his coach, Diogo, fly off the rails with everything that happened on the field. So, again, it wasn't the way – it wasn't losing. It was the way in which we lost. And yeah. he said there's absolutely no time to waste here. He could fire the Okoka following the Gold Cup tournament. And he said, I don't have time for that. We're firing him now. And we're starting a new chapter with Jimmy Lozano, who, by the way, led, previously led um, Mexico to the bronze medal at the 2021 Olympics. So he knows these – these players. He led Johan Vasquez, Jorge Sanchez, Guillermo Ochoa, Carlos Artiaga, Orbelín Pineda. Like he led all of these players to success at the Olympics. So it's not necessarily a new cycle. It's just, I guess, the reunion of Jimmy Lozano with his players. And I'm particularly so excited. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is a tournament that honestly Mexico should look at and say, we need to win this tournament. Um, just due to the fact that I think they probably have the strongest roster out of any of the CONCACAF teams. Um, you know, I know Canada has lost a couple players. Um, I know Canada has, has lost a couple players due to just not being in the, you know, not wanting to be in the, um, not wanting to be in the, the gold cup going back to their teams or whatever. It looks like Mexico has the strongest roster. So, um, this is a tournament that they have to be winning. So, you know, leave Coca in there and then possibly not win this one as well. Seems like a, a, a you know, that would be an opportunity lost. So um, I think, you know, I, I think it's important that, um, you know, Mexico goes out. I think it was a good decision for them to go out there and, yeah. and, and fire Coca and then go on and, um, you know, try and win this tournament because I think this is a tournament they need to win, especially after everything that's happened over the past, what's it been, almost – you know, eight months now or whatever it's been since, you know, early, early, you know, what October, November, when we started talking about the world cup. So, yeah, it's been chaos. And I know I've seen differing opinions personally, but I think it was a good decision to keep your strongest roster for gold cup. I think there's 
limited opportunities to have everyone together. And so to not mm. use them and have instead players head out to preseason is a little bit silly. Again, I feel like they need to get acclimated with a new coach, a new system, get acclimated with each other. Obviously, there's extremely limited windows, FIFA international windows, where these players are actually together. So yeah. wasting that opportunity is, I don't know, a little silly for me. I know in the U.S. men's national team case, it's not like they're with their actual head coach, but yeah. I don't know. I think it, it just would have been better for everyone to send their head, like their starting roster. I think Canada as well, wasting time. I think John Herdman came out and said, we, we have no time to prepare. We have no resources. We have no time together, but you're wasting the time that you do have and sending the players back to their preseasons, which again, I understand they want to seal their fates. They want to get into their transfer market, show off for their teams. Sure, yeah. you have time for that after Gold Cup. So, I'm yeah, but I think it's 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 difficult because you know you figure they participate in Nations League. They come right basically. There's not much, there's not much vacation, right? So they come right off a of Nations League, which again we need to keep in mind that this is basically like the longest season that anyone's yeah. ever had in the history of soccer. I mean, it feels like we've been playing soccer nonstop in every league for a year and a half now. Um, yeah, but. You know, they come in, they go to the Nations League, they do that. If they go on and also participate in the Gold Cup, they don't get any break. They go all the way through if they're playing in the final, all through all the way through July 16th, which around that time is when preseason camps start to ramp up and teams are going on preseason tours. And then all of a sudden it's August 12th and the Premier League starts and, you know, a week later Serie A starts. So I think it's – I understand the perspective of a player not wanting to – be included in this camp if possible, just because, I mean, listen, it, it's a lot of soccer that we're, they're playing right now. And, yeah. and I mean, from a United States men's national team perspective for a guy like, I mean, Gio wouldn't be able to play anyway with getting the calf injury. He'd probably be out for a little bit. Uh, but for a guy like Pulisic, for a guy like Weston McKinney, he's for not a guy playing. Like, Pulisic no, know, but, is not playing. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's going to get transferred. So, He's probably going. Yeah, but he hasn't play. been playing, so he was quite well rested throughout the season. No, I, I understand, but I'm just saying. I think it's just like with with you needed to get transferred right now. I think right. it's just an opportunity to get hurt and then screw totally. it. Totally. So, no, yeah. I completely understand. I do also think this is a great opportunity to be put on a global stage and yeah. have eyes on you, as we said with Brandon Vasquez. So it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, but I mean, going it's back to it's good for yeah. the young players. Yeah, it is good. And going back to the Mexican national team roster, speaking about young players as well, Osiel Herrera, very exciting new figure, um, plays with Atlas. He started playing under the Ococa, but now obviously Jimmy Lozano. Jimmy Lozano, who, by the way, has an intense focus on bringing up the, the young players and bringing in that mm -hmm. generational change. So, again, just like very, very excited to see that happen and have someone who is – Young as well. I mean, he's a 44-year-old coach. That's also a change for the Mexican national team. Um, whether he keeps that permanent title or not, it's nice to see a little bit of order <laughs> being placed on Mexico, given the yeah. whole fiasco. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Again, this is a tournament without going too much into a, a Gold Cup preview, I guess we could say. This is a yeah. tournament I think I think Mexico should be winning. Or should expect to be winning. I mean, you're going to see yeah, yeah. you're going to see a, a quality Jamaican team. I think 
You know, I don't think the United States men's national team group is not an easy group to get out of with Jamaica, yeah. Trinidad, and Tobago. I mean, obviously, um, God, I think it's St. Nitz and, and Nevis. Yeah, yeah. Um, that probably will be a game that they will win. But uh, games against, you know, Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago, we know, obviously we know Trinidad and Tobago is never easy. Never uh, Jamaica's uh, improved, the, you know, with the players that they have, um, especially the players they have playing overseas. I mean, this this is not an easy gold cup for anybody, but I, I think, you know, again, I think the, uh, the Mexican national team should be looking at this as an opportunity to bring home a trophy, get things back on track, and, yeah. and start looking towards the future, which this could be a good step in the right direction for them. Exactly. Well said. Now, before we close out, we have to discuss Major League Soccer, which we do, we do. Tonight. There is a midweek match day um, where we're going to see a lot of exciting games. I'm particularly mostly excited about the San Jose Earthquakes against the Houston Dynamo. Yeah, we have to give you some props here because you called out the San Jose Earthquakes. We haven't been I able did. to talk about this. You have been a big proponent of the San Jose Earthquakes. So we have to give you props there. I've already given myself props for saying okay. that I'm very interested in seeing what the Houston Dynamo can do this season. Mm. I didn't exactly say they make the playoffs, but I did say <laughs> that I... You're I, I, not, are you kidding? We didn't even discuss the 4-0? I know. Against LAFC. And then beating them again in the same week. Yeah, I mean, that was a 1-0, but still. It's still, I mean, yeah, they, still. they don't play well on the road, Houston. That's their, like, first road win in forever. But so. I would have told you, I mean, I would have told you, Ben Olsen, their new head coach, who was obviously in D.C. United for such a long time. Yeah. He is really great at managing that mid-table stability. And <laughs> it's something that happened with D.C. United constantly. They ended in that between sixth to eighth position and everyone was tired of that. Mm -hmm. It was like the mediocrity of DC United. And now they've fallen to last place. So I think DC United owes an apology to Ben Olsen. But watching him up close when covering um, the black and red, I would have told you he is going to implement that same style and great finishing touches on mm -hmm. a team that has so much potential anyway. Yeah, so I, love what he, I love what he's been doing with the, that team. And I think there's a lot of exciting players there. Um, so I, you know, it's Houston, Houston is back a little bit. So that's, yeah. that's always fun. And Achiat has been helping quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. It helps when he's on the field to help. So, um, but um, for me, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you want to talk about San Jose Houston a little bit more. I mean, that is your, your game of the week as we call it. Yeah, that is my pick. I would have been more excited to see Kate Cowell, obviously with mm -hmm. the earthquakes, but he's off in international duty representing the U.S. men's national team at the Gold Cup. So we will have that we'll have that game without him. But Hector Herrera obviously is still with Dynamo. He has not been called up to the Mexican national team due to that generational change and leaving off the veterans from the roster. Mm -hmm. But it's still quite an exciting game. I think it's a clash of styles um, and also kind of that battle of the table. So I don't know. I'm particularly excited about that game. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go uh, with the late game. I'm going to go one of the two late games. I'm going to okay. go with LAFC versus Seattle. Um, okay. Purely because it's two teams that are struggling right now, right? I mean, Seattle's been struggling for a little bit. LAFC, honestly, has been – I think they've won one of their last, like, seven in all competitions. Yes, but I do – I want to reference Carlos Vela's quote that he said the other day as you label them as struggling. Um because he did mention he was like, if we're bad, 
being three points off the Western Conference table top with games still left to be played, then everybody else is bad. Well, that's a that's a very fair statement from Mr. Vela. But at the same <laughs> point... Before that, though, he said that and then went on to score and win the game for LAFC. No, so. very true. It was and great that was timing their, from him. In, in all competitions, that was their first win in, in yeah. all competitions in six matches um, yeah. in, in about a month. So, I mean, listen, yeah. I, I'm not saying that on the standards of LAFC and the way we expect mm. them to perform and the way they probably should be performing against some of these teams – Houston Dynamo, they should not lose two games in the same week. Um, they Houston are. Houston Dynamo was the better team. I mean, again, kind of going back to that Mexico quote, it's not the fact that they lost, it's how they lost. Because losing yeah. back to back games 1 0 against the Houston Dynamo when they're showing that level of quality would have been okay. Losing 4 yeah. 0 is probably unacceptable for LAFC. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, I think based on their standards, they're struggling. I mean, right. for them to not win a game, and I know it's obviously CONCAP Champions League, US Open Cup, what, who they're playing, whatnot, but um, still, they haven't, you know, that was their first win in three MLS games. So, yeah. um, you know, for them to, and, and it was a game where they could have lost too. I mean, uh, they could have lost. I mean, there was controversy at the end there with uh, the foul in the Sporting KC um match where where they yeah you know, peter vermise was not happy with the call and the refereeing in the match he was not happy. um so you know i think this is a game where lafc can get back on track also a game for seattle to get back on track so it's two teams that yeah. really could use a little bounce in the right direction and I, I think this is a fun one to watch because it is two top teams in the western conference uh going at it so that's why i'm going with that one I also want to give an honorable mention to LA Galaxy against Sporting Kansas City. Mm -hmm. LA Galaxy, we know, is struggling on all fronts from their board to head coach to players. Um, Chicharito today was placed on the season-ending mm -hmm. injury list, so he will not be back. LA Galaxy have since signed a couple of MLS Next Pro players to sub that. So things are really just going downhill, whereas it's going the other way for Sporting Kansas City, who finally have some of their designated players back last season for the first time ever, I believe, in Major League Soccer. All three designated players of a team were out on injury. So that was quite unfortunate and probably the reason why they ended bottom of the table. But now they're back, um, so much so that Alan Pulido is being scouted by Liga MX teams for a potential return, especially Chivas and Cruz Azul. So you might see him in another shade of blue. However, I kind of hope he goes back to Chivas, kind of that reunion where he was king and now he can come back. But um, he's been playing really, really well for Sporting Kansas City. So yeah. though I don't think it'll be necessarily a fair game, I expect Sporting Kansas City to just win there, get the points and start climbing that Western Conference table again. Is it is it or Miami off this week? Off this they week? are. Yeah. They are off. You, you know they still have not had a tie this whole season. That's wild to me. That's wild. No ties in the entire season is a crazy stat through 17 games. Um yeah, well, but their, also, their losses know, are major. So a little shout out to FC Dallas versus Austin as well. Um yeah, I mean Austin okay. hasn't been performing well, but it is a battle of Texas, so you know, a little little bit of a rivalry. All right. Sending a shout-out to Texas, I guess. Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, so. Everything is bigger in Texas. I've never been to Texas. I've I been there once. To. I, I there don't once. plan to go. I've been to Austin, actually. I've been to Austin. Oh, interesting. I've been to the stadium, but I've been to Austin. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so, so much major league soccer action. Obviously everything comes back on Saturday and so much to come in that league. Um, we know Lionel Messi decided to, um, sign with inner Miami or announce his intention to play with inner Miami. He hasn't officially been announced mm-hmm. with the team, but is expected as, um, inner Miami co-owner Jorge Mas revealed to debut on July 21st in that game against Cruz Azul at DRB Pink Stadium for League's Cup play, the inaugural edition of this new World Cup style tournament, which we, of course, will be covering. But so very excited to see Messi. A lot of MLS heavy things coming as well. All-Stars kicking off against Arsenal on July 17th. We have a skills challenge. We have Mm -hmm. a game. We have so many activities. We will be all over the place. Or should I say Lizzie will be all over the place. Um, In the world uh, and with topics. Yes. Keep, keep, keep a, uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, You know, keep an eye out for the podcast. Uh, We are currently working on audio. I'm working on getting it all up there. So hopefully within the next week, we'll have all our episodes on audio. So you can find us on Spotify and iTunes and everything as well. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for the podcast an exciting time for 90 men. An exciting time for soccer in general as we yeah. get another tournament and we just underway get right into preseason games and then <laughs> Premier League and all the international leagues are back again. And actually, Liga MX. Did we, we mention Liga MX? Yes. Well, before we close out, I wanted to bring up the fact that Liga MX is back next week, officially on Friday. June- for two weeks. June 30th, yes, for technically two weeks, three match days um, before the league pauses once again for League's Cup action and then returns mid-August. It's also worth mentioning that the first three match days are without international players as they, again, are off on CONCACAF duty and um, CONMEBOL duty and some in Europe. But, yeah, so for now, we'll have it back for quite a little bit. Um, Some key dates to watch out for, a lot of action coming and in the meantime check out transfers because a lot is going on a lot we're not sleeping good. until december july 5th it opens up so the the yes. secondary window opens up for the mls so there's going to be things there and internationally yes and internationally internationally july is it july 5th internationally yeah, as well okay yeah so that's going to be exciting obviously we know along with messi inter miami's looking at a host of other players as well they so are. we will have you covered I we promise you, if you look on the website, we will let you know. Please do. It's the reason I don't sleep. So that <laughs> everyone can stay informed. Um, yes, but uh, thank you guys as always. Hey, Lizzie, it was a pleasure. It's always a, a pleasure. pleasure. It was a pleasure again. Look forward to doing it again next week. Um, yeah, so happy to be back. Cool. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.